When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Which one is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. That's... Yeah. They have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. Ever since Michael Obafemi first burst onto the scene, you had the sense this lad doesn't lack for self-belief. But what became apparent during a pivotal moment of Saturday night's match at Hampden Park is that apparently he has limitless confidence in the abilities of his teammates as well, going by his premature celebration of the goal that Troy Parrott should have scored to put his 2-1 up against Scotland. Obafemi had done all the legwork, tearing down the pitch so fast that not even a crude lunge from behind by Ryan Christie could take him down. He then released the pass at just the right time to take the final Scottish defender. Beautiful pass. What a pass. Uh, with just, just the right weight as well so that his strike partner could step onto it without breaking stride. At which point, Obafemi slows right down to a trot, raises both arms in the air in triumph. (laughs) Clearly having watched very little of Preston North End play this season, a team for whom Parrott is labouring to try uh, to score goals. He hasn't scored any in the league. They haven't, They've scored three in ten games. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know, maybe... Is it still three? Did they get up to four recently? No, I, I thought it was... I had a quick look this morning. Okay, like yeah. three. Now, they've scored a few in the Carabao Cup, to be yeah. fair. But Very good defence record as well. Yeah, in the league, they're, they're, they're not scoring many goals. And unfortunately, Troy Parrott's not scoring many. And he didn't score this one. He had a weak shot at the goalkeeper. Obafemi dropped his hands down in despair. And Ireland went on to concede the penalty and lose the game later on. Welcome well, to the podcast, I can. Hi, on, how are you? Well, you know, I thought it was nice to see see Michael Obafemi express such um, confidence. That's what I'm saying. That's my, partner, that's my point. You know? He's he's even more confident in his strike partner than he is in his own abilities. Well, look, I also had confidence. I, was, I, didn't, I didn't actually pre-celebrate. Um, but I have seen Troy Parrott in that position before score that goal. I mean, you know, he's done it twice against Sweden, for instance, with the other 21s. Played in on that side. And he's. I've seen him do it twice. Once was in Tala, uh, where he... He came into the box and basically slotted it into the far corner. And the second one was away um, against Sweden under 21, where he was played in, but this time he waited for the chasing defender to, to come back and then cut back inside him and chip the goalkeeper. So both were very good finishes. 
So I was thinking he was going to score. Don't forget the finish in the first half of Saturday night's game. Which was Where brilliant. he just really casually strolled around a few Scottish defenders and slotted it home, only for it to be disallowed. So. Well, it showed, like, like that showed, I thought, uh, great composure under a lot of immediate pressure. But it's all it's all the sort of reacting in the moment to what's going on around you. That type of composure, as opposed to the, yeah. oh my God, I've... I'm here. It's my moment. I've got like it's. It feels like an eternity is passing as I advance on goal, and this is probably the biggest crowd he's ever played in front of. I mean, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, there can't have been too many bigger. Uh, this is the moment. It's all. It's all down to me. You know, it's, that's a different type of composure. He basically, needed need. a couple of defenders in front of him, is what you're saying. Uh, maybe if Obafemi had played a slightly worse pass, just gave him gave him too much time. What are you What are you thinking? Giving me so, so much time, you know, it makes everyone's mind up. Now, but actually, the finish which I thought in real time was awful, wasn't as bad when I looked at it, when I looked back at it as I thought it was. I thought that he had just completely like flubbed it and put it straight at the goalkeeper. But actually, it's a very good save by Craig Gordon. And what he's trying to do is, is deceive Gordon and shoot to the near post. Yeah, the, exactly the kind of finish I said I liked only a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. So exactly. I, can't, I can't criticize him for trying it, but unfortunately, he kind of caught it with his heel a little yeah, bit. He, and... So he, missed, he didn't hit the mm-hmm. shot properly. And, and in retrospect... It's like you needed to just go for the obvious shot to the other side because there's so much space there. Like Gordon is well out of the goal. You know what I mean? There's tons of space over Gordon. There's space on the far side of him. Even though it looks, even though that's probably the shot he's expecting, he's expecting it because he's a very experienced goalkeeper who knows that that's the danger area for him. So, Parrot, Trarrot, Trarrot tried to, Trarrot. Tried to play, uh, you know, kind of turn the odds against him and made a mess of it. So it was a, it was a massive miss. You know, it was very unfortunate, really, for for Ireland for everything for the way things went going. That would have been back in the lead. Um, it would have been difficult for Scotland at that point. And instead of which, it's a let off. They, they're feeling good about it. Pirates feeling bad. And then we go and take off up with Emmy, which was like, why are we? What? Why are we doing this? And I asked Stephen Kenny, why? You, why did you do that after? And he said. Well, because I thought Benny could make a good impact, and I think, yeah, he could. He could, and in fairness, like uh, I don't disagree that like Ogbeni rather was a good player to introduce to the game at that point. You know, uh, with this with the attributes that he had, and you know, he had like there was one where Gordon kicked it against him, and he was kind of mm. caught by surprise. You know, which, and then there was another one where he was pulled down after doing really well to get round his man on the on the right wing. And, you know, he has that, he, he is the type of player that you like to have on the field if you're kind of backs to the wall as Ireland were in, in that, you know, at that point in the game in Scotland, they're kind of coming for them. Um, you like to have a player with those type of attributes. But I just felt that Obafemi, he played so well. Like, everything he did was brilliant. Well, I suppose the point is he hasn't been playing much and he, he may have tired, but he didn't look like he was Alternatively, tired. Alternatively, you know, it's, he, the minutes will do him good. I mean, this guy, yeah. this guy is hungry for, hungry for minutes, hungry for game time. Looks so sharp. I mean, all the little touches were fantastic. You know, I mean, I'm talking here about like, I mean, his the goal also Ireland's goal kind of stemmed ultimately from Obafemi. I think he maybe lost the ball in midfield, but then quickly won it back, came forward. That was when we passed it right, mm-hmm. and I think that's that was what the, that shot then led to the corner, uh, which McLean McLean went over and was getting booed, <clears throat> getting booed. That was the first time they got the chance to boo McLean individually. Uh, you know, when the action had singled McLean out and he got a good boo there and re- re- replied by sending in the corner, which led to the goal. So everything was going great. You know, the Ireland fans were absolutely 
really loving it. You know, it was it was, atmosphere. Oh, it was it was brilliant. I mean, I, you know, it obviously the 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 pendulum swung back in Ireland's face is pretty hard, and the Scottish fans repaid then with interest all the gloating that the Ireland fans were doing, and they did a lot of gloating over England as well. The Scots, they did, and uh, and of course they were everyone was. Everyone romped out of Hamden in the end. Was extremely happy, apart from the Iron fans who were. I think, you know, again, Owen, you're saying here I'm, I'm making excuses for failure. You know, I'm apparently just prepared to tolerate any mediocrity. But it seemed as though they basically enjoyed the game. Well, let's report on sport here first of all. You're not the only one who seems to be pleased enough with this. This victory defeat, <laughs> this this two one victory defeat that we seem to have had, I was kind of surprised by the the nature of some of the post match punditry. Just get, for example, Liam Brady, who has been Brady's never on the fence. That's the wrong way to phrase it, but he's been, you know, he's had he's been up and down with regards to Kenny. He's he's mm. given him some praise at times. He's questioned him big times at, at other times, and I, I figured this was going to be one of those because. Ultimately, it's a results business and all that kind of stuff. But no, he was broadly positive. Richard Dunn, who has been quite critical, I think, of Kenny, he was quite positive on Premier Sports with Martin O'Neill, mm. who... Now, Martin O'Neill did say stuff like, pre, pre-match, pre for example, he said stuff like, well, you know, I used to think the game was all about results. But, uh, of course, that's got nothing to do with it now. Or there was, there was another bit where he said, um, he said, the team are strong in set pieces, which seemed to be frowned upon in my time, but uh, it's quite all right. So, you know... You, you, it's just you, such nonsense. Yeah. Like, that... that that point in particular, right? Okay, Martin O'Neill is, is obviously going on and, and his his analysis is going to be all about retrospectively justifying himself, you know, and obviously he feels hard done by because he was criticised and actually his results were better. You know, he got to a tournament and, you know, this guy, it seems, it doesn't matter how many games he loses. And that's obviously his perspective and fair enough. But to say the thing about set pieces, obviously he hasn't watched the games. Now, fair enough, if you, maybe he, he only watches the games that he gets paid to analyse. I don't know. But if he'd watched any of the other previous games, he'd have seen Ireland score a series of the best goals that I can ever remember Ireland scoring of all different kinds. There was the long-range shot against Scotland. There was the link-up, uh, you know, one-two link-up between Parrott and Obafemi, also in that game. There was this brilliant Nathan Collins goal. If Parrott had managed to score the chance which he missed, that would have been another of a completely different type of goal, like an end-to-end counterattack. The like of which, by the way, I can't remember Ireland. Like, literally, can you remember an Ireland team ever doing that? This was like a Salah Mane break without the finish, mm. right? You know, you need to you need to finish it. But just the idea that, oh, oh set pieces. Like, and I think he made that point because the goal came from a corner. You know, when we have scored, like we scored a goal from a corner. Well, no, this was, the, the this, was, this was pre-match, if I recall correctly. But I think they were, they were showing at half, time, okay, yeah. at half time again, oh, a set piece and a goal. So he was just underlining the point. There you go, set pieces. But like, that's just such a, again, he can't have been watching the game. To be that's fair to Martin O'Neill, he point. was extremely positive about Ireland afterwards. That was the point that I was coming around to. He, he was saying, big, big improvement the last three games, really good signs, onwards and upwards. And, you know, I was thinking, you don't have to be that that positive about it when the result is there in black and white, but he felt that Ireland were really unlucky and played good, good, quick, I don't effective know, football. I don't think and Ireland were really unlucky. I mean, I think I think Scotland probably deserved to win the game ultimately. Like you know, Scotland. So played. what are you so so why, why why are you happy about it then? Well, because I think I think Ireland played okay. Like I don't I don't think they were 
unlucky. You know, I mean, they I mean, miss... on, fr- on Friday you're talking. I was trying to, I was trying to big up the Scots somewhat, saying that they've got a lot more Premier League regulars than us. Yeah, uh, and you seem to be dismissive of that. Now you're saying we're, they're, they're, it's much of a muchness between us and them. Now you're saying we go away there, we lose well, a match deservedly. What's this cross examination? And that's still meant uh, to be well because a good I think thing? because I think both I think both teams can can play okay, and and if one team wins, it doesn't mean one team therefore played badly. You know what I mean? Like I think Ireland played very well in the first half. Second half, ran out of energy. Scotland were definitely better in the second half. Ireland made mistakes. Like, you know, how can you say Ireland were unlucky when they missed a huge chance to win the game and gave away a stupid penalty? It's like, well, that was your fault. Like, Stephen Kenny was saying after the game, oh, uh, he was complaining about the penalty because he kept saying... um, Brown was pushed by a Scottish player and he kept like, referring to this Scottish player. The Scottish player was John it's Egan. John Egan, yeah. It was John Egan, you know what I mean? And he kept sort of saying, and you're like, oh. he, I think he th- must have thought that at the time. And then you, yeah. if you see it in a free plays, he'll know he was wrong. For, I, for, I wouldn't hammer him for that. No, but but again, it's it's not unlucky to give that penalty away. It's, it's, it's a mistake. It's your mistake. You know what I mean? Is it a mistake for Egan to push his own player? Maybe. I mean, is he trying to use Brown as a missile to put off the Scottish player? Probably, I suppose. I'll just fling him into that guy. Maybe they'll put him <laughs> off. Okay, it didn't work out. But again, it's us. It, we're the sort of authors of our own downfall. So, what, so, what, so what did you... You're, it still seems to be a lot of stuff that doesn't sound great. So what did you like about the performance? Well, I, I mean, I like the fact that we were the better team that in the first half, that we came out, played really confidently. Um, there was some... I thought really nice, quick passing moves between the players. Like, you know, they, they look sort of, um, the, the goal, the offside goal, I mean, it was unfortunate that he ran offside because he actually had plenty of time to run through. And that was a, that was a lovely move, you know, from the back. Like, to, the, the, it was coordinated move. Great finish. Obafemi, I thought, was was really good. I thought he was actually probably man of the match. Oh, completely. And, and Maloney got, got it. I yeah, which it. is just a strange it's thing. It's funny, he got man of the match. And then, and then they showed, uh, Ortiz showed the package they had done on Obafemi. And you're thinking, that is a man of the match package I've ever completely. seen. When every touch was just really good. And he work, does work very Whatever what him and Parrot do together, whatever understanding they have, they do. Um, well, they're both, both really, you know, they're both very good players. Potentially very good players for us. And they do work quite well together. Yeah. I, I think so, and you know, I I think they'll probably be playing again tomorrow night. Uh, I think oh, you reckon? Pro- I think so. I mean, I've just been to Stephen Kenny's press conference. Uh, it was pretty much press conference was a bit early today. Uh, so, you know, basically his his take was, you know, um, there's no need for a radical change. I thought the team played. You know, he says the team played well. I mean, you're not gonna, you you won't be surprised to hear. <laughs> you won't be surprised to hear that, you know. But it's not as though there's going to be huge changes. Obviously. Josh Cullen is suspended, and that's that's an important piece of the team that's gone missing there because there isn't really an obvious Josh Cullen, you know, analog in the team. I mean, Jeff Hendrick probably comes into it, but you know, who is the, you know, who's going to replace him? The question arose: Are you going to play three five two, three four one two? You know, do you change it? Maybe two central midfielders, three four two one rather, two central midfielders rather than three, and then three fours rather than two. You know, these these type of questions. Um, to which he said, well, he kind of started talking about, well, people have this misconception that 3-5-2 is more defensive than 3-4-2-1. Well, it's not. They're both this and that. And I was like, well, actually, I kind of think of it the other way around, to be honest. Um, I think 3-4-2-1 is a bit... I find it to be... a ends up becoming quite negative. You said that too, Kenny? No, I didn't say oh, it. I didn't say it to him. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. just... I'm, I'm, I'm in real time, and I'm, I'm pondering his... Yeah. Pondering his comments... Uh, you know, England are a three-four-two-one team, and as we know, they've kind of sputtered. Chelsea, obviously, were the were kind of the first big team to be doing this. 
um, in the Premier League, you know, under Tuchel, and that, they kind of all their forwards want to leave the club, you know. <laughs> so I just, I just don't know if it's necessarily best formation for yeah. I, I think that the two in the three four two one end up having to just play as midfielders. So actually, it's three six one. You know what I mean? Or five five four one. You know. Um, did I do the match right? Yes. There? <laughs> not for a second, I was like, you know, that's, that's, that's so ten out for your players." That's kind of what you end up with. Um, whereas three five two, let forwards be forwards. You know, um, and I think sometimes that, especially in international football, which is not tactic, not tactically as complex, maybe it can work better. But look. You know, we'll wait and see. It's a, this is a huge game, though. Oh, this, yeah. This is like... And I know I've been sitting here going, results, you know, don't get confused by results. Look for the signal and the noise, right? The result is important here, Owen. Okay, just I can pin you down on that. If we were to lose to Armenia tomorrow night, you'll, you'll sit here and be unhappy with a Stephen Getty performance, yes? Well, look, Owen, you know, it's it's a question of... You, again, as Jose Mourinho and Hegel say, you must look at things in the hole. Mm-hmm. And, you know, results are part of the hole, but they are not the hole, mm-hmm. right? So... What I'm saying is... Except against Armenia, they are the whole. Well, the problem is we, that... We've literally... He was talking about us winning the group. And I if know. we lose tomorrow night, we get relegated. So he looks <laughs> So he looks like a fool. I mean, you could say he looks like a fool anyway, because he said, you know, talks about winning the group. Actually, beaten by the other two... Beaten by all the teams in the group. We've taken a beating off everyone. Uh, and we're miles off the top two. So we're, we're not within an ass's roar of winning the group. And, we're, and it's a question of, can we, can we stay alive in League B... And actually, I think that is a prize worth, you know, worth winning at this point. You know, it was, I think Damien Delaney referred to it as a wooden spoon match. But this is a remaining in League B match, mm-hmm. which is, which is bigger than that. Because I don't know, even just the, watching the highlights or whatever. I mean, that game at Hampton was a great game to be at. And, I, and a great game, I think, for the team to play in. I mean, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of younger players. And I know some people think that's irrelevant, which is just crazy. Like the fact that you've got 722. Like I saw Gary Breen, I read Gary... Gary Breen's piece in the Independent today. And Gary Breen, I think, is actually an interesting analyst of the game, you know, puts a lot of thought into his thing. But he had a line in it about uh, how, uh, you know, talking about the... Uh, why don't I just read you what he actually mm-hmm. says instead of paraphrasing it? Um, I think it's important to avoid honing in too much on the fact Kenny picks seven players aged 23 or under in his starting side. I think it's lazy to take that stat and start talking in grand terms about the future. This is not a team of the future, it's a team of the present. Let me put it this way, and, he, and then he starts talking about who's, you know, who's playing ahead of their development in the starting, who's playing ahead of a better or more experienced player. So it's like we don't have any older players anyway is kind of his point. So these are, this is our team, you know, so don't stop giving him credit for picking the team he has to pick. Now, I think he could quibble with that absolutely because there, play- there were more. There were, there was Jeff, Jeff Hendrick. Hendrick, Harahan, Duffy, Coleman. They're, they're all sitting on the bench. You know what I mean? So there, 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 were, there are more experienced options that he could go for. But anyway, that's the, the, the bigger point there is this idea that like it's lazy or it's, it's yeah, stop going on about this. But he, he will not, I assume, have been happy to hear Stephen Genny's comments in today's press conference where he's literally doing exactly the thing. Oh, really? Yeah, he says, uh, let me just read his quotes here. We can see the emergence of players. That's been critical for us as a nation, critical for us as a team. You can see players that are only going to get better, that are on an upward curve in their careers. They will only improve when they get into European Championship qualifiers from March to November. In a year's time, they will be even better. You can see that, and that's by design. The players themselves have done that. They've got themselves in the team by their performances at uh, club level. So this is the point he's, uh, he's saying. Look, the, you know, we can see. Now, the, the flaw in his logic is the phrase, that can only the players that are only going to get better. Absolutely, there's yeah. no guarantee a player is going to be better at 26 than they are at 22. No. I mean, you look at some players, 
mean, is Obafemi going to get better by continuing to be a substitute for Swansea? No. No. And, uh, uh, that, yeah, that, that seems like a very... He's counting his chickens is what he's doing here in the sense of obviously these players have potential. They obviously, you, the, the usual, the normal trajectory of a, of a player is to continue to improve as long as they don't get injured, which obviously is something that can happen to anyone, bang, and, and just wipe all that out for them. But like, you know, it's a reasonable expectation, but certainly not something you can hang your hat on. You, you know what I mean? Like you can't sort of, so that's, the, the, that's the, I, I think his problem, but I, but I still find myself on his side ultimately with this. Like you can't say that the age of the team is irrelevant because it conditions how you feel about the future of the team, which is which is ultimately how you feel about the present. It's like are we going in? A, are we going in the right direction? Now the problem is if you then lose to Armenia, and that's what we have to do to get relegated. But we've already shown that we're capable of doing that. We have already lost to Armenia. Uh, in the in recent months, right? We've, we've already got the result we would need to knock us out. And if we then go down to League C, and suddenly you're not at Hampden Park anymore, playing against you know this uh, proud Scottish team in front of seventy thousand, or maybe at Wembley or next next year, or or Wembley, uh, or any of these, you are in Minsk, or you're like I saw Slovakia be- beating Belarus, and like I was like, is there no one at the game? Have they brought some COVID thing back in in Slovakia? What's going on? You know, you're 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 into this kind of zone of, you know, and okay, I know you've made the point before that if we're in if we're in League C, um, you know, maybe we can we can win some games, get some confidence, count, put put together some results, and we'll all get that. that guaranteed playoff spot. Yeah, but you know, it does feel as though oh, now it's it's hard at that point to say. Well, this is a this is a, an improving team because it's like a team that's actually going down the divisions. It's you know it's <laughs> it's a team which is not really improving. I mean, and it's so so that is why suddenly this result. And I know I've been I've been saying no, don't don't be like results, results, results. But this result, if this result is a defeat, then I think Stephen Kane's going to have some big big problems. I was staying extremely quiet during that because I just wanted that to be a clippable moment there. <laughs> a nice easy edit for Simon. Uh, just uh, funny you mentioned the Gary Breen stuff because Damien Delaney was making a similar point about the age. So he was in this long back and forth with Joe Malloy on Virgin and Joe was putting that to him. Well, you know, it's obviously he's blooding all these young players, uh, you know, they're going to prove those sorts of things and Damien's like, well, so, who, like what's that got to do with anything? So that's that's the team. I mean, what are we using that as an excuse? What is it? Why, why even bring up the fact that they're all these young players and then he goes on from there to make this point which you may have seen in the last couple of days at some point there has to be accountability right you can't that's not management mm. I mean if that was management I mean I'm sitting here with you right and I chose to go down this route as opposed to coaching because coaching comes there's a responsibility there's a, a, a pressure uh, you know uh, uh, you have to have a streak in you a ruthlessness and I chose not to go down that route because sure. I don't want to but if you offer me what Stephen has really and just like just carte blanche just do what you want. Results don't matter. Blood 16 players, three defeats in 16. I'd be interested in that. <laughs> I just love his delivery. It's always very good. I'd be interested in that. What do you think? Uh, uh, well, um, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, he he has, first of all, the the notion that simply talking about football doesn't bring its own pressures, you know. I feel I feel pressure every day on you know, I feel, I feel Oh, you think you feel Damien is understating the pressure on those of us who <laughs> maybe earn our crust by talking about football. swimming in the shallows or <laughs> is it more bottom feeding that we do? I'm not sure. Is it, are we bottom feeders? Um, but look, 
I mean, I, I think there is accountability, but again, like, what kind of accountability are we talking about? Like, I, I, you know, it's an, it's the nation's league. Okay, the aim of the game is obviously to get promoted, and the aim of the game is certainly not to get relegated. And then if if we end up getting relegated, then then these, these demands for accountability might, to me, seem a bit more reasonable. But to me, what it's about is is the team improving or not? And I feel still that they are. Like, you know, in the, these types of performances that they've shown are not the ones that they have been capable of delivering in the recent years. So you have to be able to remember that. You know, if you've forgotten sort of what happened 2017, 18, 19, then this might not seem good, but compared to then, this is like, we're light years ahead. You know what I mean? And that's what that that's the perspective I think we need to adopt. I mean, we talk a lot about, you know, the need to be long-term and to avoid just short-term. Like, what are we talking about doing here? What, when we say accountability, what are we talking about? Like sacking Stephen Kenny, bringing in, like, I mean, I just don't think that's... Well, I, I think... The, I'm, I'm talking on David Delaney's behalf here, so I don't know. But mm. that there's that that there's been a lot. That essentially, Kenny's getting a soft ride in, in, from the public and in general that he should well, be if more he, if more he, kind of in that he should be criticised more for, for example, going away in. But again, but but but, uh, but I think Damien and and say Gary Breen and think are, are, are kind of dismissing the obvious good things. Like it's kind of like well, well, what's in the credit column? And they sort of sweep aside the, the, the stuff that Kenny was talking about today. You know, sixteen players have given their full debut in the last year and a half, or whatever, and seven hundred twenty-three players. And they sort of say, well, that doesn't count. So what else have you got? It's like, well, that's that's what we've been doing. That's like that. That's what the whole rebuilding of the team has has been. So if you dismiss that, then okay, there's not much. You know, we've lost to Scotland. Okay, we beat Scotland as well. If it was a European tie, unfortunately, it's not. If we, if we were in, the, if we were playing Scotland in the Europa League, we'd be through. Right, on aggregate, we'd we'd be through, and there wouldn't be anything John McGinn could do about it. But uh, <laughs> but, but here we are. Uh, you know, it's it's not that it's Scotland who are who are fighting for the right to uh, to go to the B. But you know, it's I don't know. I, I again, we are approaching a, a crunch point here with Armenia. You know, you have to. It does feel like we've said that before. But listen, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So we're going to talk more about uh, the current situation with Dion Fanning and Kieran Canning. With a bit of a Scottish view, a little bit later on in this in this show, we've got a few other bits going on here again. Again, well, I mean, like let's okay, let's look at the the Nations League wider. You know, we've we've obviously lost our game. Not great. Not the only team to lose a game out. Mm-hmm. England, not too good. Not too good. Um, they have got relegation. They've experienced the sting of relegation. Um, they play Germany tonight. It's a dead rubber. Nothing at stake. Uh, England have already. Crashed out of the uh, crashed out of the group, um, and into League B, where maybe who we, knows? we may await them. You or, know, or maybe either us or Armenia will wait, will <laughs> await uh, will await England in that draw. But I I think it's interesting to look at their results. And I was talking about this today. Actually, I was talking about it on the plane home with a with an Ireland fan who sat next to me on the plane and was saying, "Oh, you know, what do you?" I was trying to write some uh, stuff, and he was like, oh, "What do you what are you writing about?" And I was like, "Well, you know," and I said, "Well, listen." You know, do you know that Germany have already lost more Nations League games and they've lost World Cup qualifiers in their entire history? Did you know that? And he kind of just looked at me blankly like, I was like, you know, like, I mean, World Cup qualifiers, like all World Cup qualifiers since 1933. They've lost three, but they've lost four in the Nations League already. You know what I mean? And he was kind of like, as, as long as you didn't get the same reaction from the sports editor of the Irish Times, then. You're, you're, well, right. I have to say, I did. I was. This did knock my confidence a bit. I was like, hey, you know, Spain haven't lost at home, haven't ever lost a World Cup qualifier. You know, again, since the 1930s, they've literally never lost one. And they've lo- they just lost in the Nations League against Switzerland, like yesterday, you know, at home. And they've, that's their second home defeat. You know what I mean? And he was just <laughs> he was like, why are you saying this to me? You know, like, I, 
And I was kind of like, oh, okay. This, it doesn't seem like that's, to me, right? That's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. To me, I'm like, whoa, you know, this is a different type of competition. It's like uh, the evenness of the game. England, how many, how many of their last 40 World Cup qualifiers do you think they've lost? Two. One. They've lost one. I actually read your piece today, and I said I got that wrong. One in 40. That's, that's the, they, they haven't lost the World Cup qualifier since 2009. The Spain's that. Can you give me a Spain's that again? They've never Never lost been beaten a, in a home World Cup qualifier. A home World Cup qualifier. 62 matches, zero defeats. And they've lost two out of eight Nations League matches. Because I saw that Scotland had, had, had the longest unbeaten home record in the Nations League. Eight. That Scotland and Italy are the only teams who have not lost at home. Which is, which is strange in international football, because it's not unusual for teams to do what... Well... It is unusual for teams to do what Spain have done and not lose a single home match in 18, 89 years in the, in this in the that World is Cup. The bonkers, yeah. But uh, but you know it's not unusual for for teams to go many years without losing. Even Ireland have done that on occasion, you know. Um, so for it to be so short kind of made you think, oh, well, you know what's going on? Oh, and it's just a more unpredictable competition. Well, because you're playing teams, England, for example, are playing Germany and yeah. Italy as opposed to. Slovakia. So it's Why seven. Slovakia out of that again. Seven, seven defeats in seventeen for them. I think they have played Slovakia in recent It feels qualifiers. like they've played them a few times. Seven in seven defeats in seven seventeen Nations League matches and one defeat in the last forty World Cup qualifiers. Which and I, I'm picking World Cup qualifiers because it's like the highest level of competition that European teams play outside a tournament. You know what I mean? It's like the, the World Cup qualifiers are the most important games, apart from the actual Euros and you know World Cup matches themselves, right? That's that would be what I would say. No, yeah. You disagree? You no. disagree? I go for. It. So, um, what I'm saying is, there's a lot of teams that are getting kind of weird results. Um, you don't have to play that badly to lose in the Nations League, and that's why I'm saying I don't think we did play badly. Whereas if we lose, you know, if we lose a World Cup qualifier or something, if we like say when we did we lose to Georgia or did we lose to Azerbaijan? Oh my God, we've lost to. It's a safe bet we've lost to somebody. We lost to Armenia. That was Nations League. But well, we lost to Luxembourg. Luxembourg. There's a good example. Now, Luxembourg, you saw them hammering Turkey recently. Uh, the Turks kept fighting back uh, gallantly and eventually got a 3 all draw. Luxembourg went to, Tur- went to Turkey. Okay, Turkey then flew out to the Pharaohs and lost 2-0. Right? So it's, something, it, it's as though they, they topped their Nations League grave and then they took, the, they took the foot off the pedal a little bit. Okay. But you know, all I'm saying is Luxembourg aren't that bad. But yes, when we lost that, that was that was a major sickener because every game in these qualifiers, you're expected to either win or lose, and the result, everything about the result is conditioned is conditioned by that expectation. If we're playing against a better team, we expect to lose, and we're happy if we don't. And if we're playing against Luxembourg or you know some other team, it doesn't matter what the, what they are actually like or how they play or how the game goes. It's just it's just how we feel about it is determined by how. Well, where are they in the in the, in the seedings? Uh, and this is basically a different competition. So you actually have to look at how the team is playing to know how to feel about it. Which is how I'm saying, even though Resu- there's... I mean, you can't take results out of the equation entirely, though. Well, taking the results out of the equation entirely, I'm just saying, let's not just, uh, you know, be, be scoreboard guys. Anyway, look, where are we? There's a couple of other things to mention. Um, Mark Lawrenson's interview with Paul Rowan uh, went down a storm. Um he, uh, I guess he was speaking to Paul Rowan in the Sunday Times because, or Paul, Paul Rowan rather was speaking to Mark Lawrence because of the fact that mm, Hamden Park was the uh, site of mm, one of Mark Lawrence's finest moments when he scored the goal that qualified Ireland for the uh, for Euro '88 and started this whole beautiful Ireland finals romance. 
which hasn't had too many updates, uh, I guess, uh, since then. But uh, he talked a bit about his you know, departure from the BBC and his line here as well. What do you think was the real reason for your departure? Uh, well, I'm 65 and a white male, so, you know, which he seems to be suggesting, I mean... Well, what I thought was interesting about this is there doesn't seem to be any reflection on on this. Like, you know, I've had a good run or, you know, was I really at the top of my game? So, you know, it's just sort of like, well, obviously I, my face doesn't fit anymore, you know, which I don't know. He talked a bit about uh, Alex Scott. Alex was just thrown in. Alex Scott came in, obviously, to, uh, to present Football Focus after the departure of Dan Walker. Uh, who Lawrence and uh, praises as he was he's really good. Alex Scott came in from the outset. We were trying to make the program as easy as possible for her. It was a bit frustrating. She would ask you a question, then move on to the next person. And I'd want to say something I just thought of, but I just had to shut up because she was just learning. She's done well in fairness to her. She's a lovely kid. It's a tough gig because Dan was so good. Uh, so uh, yeah, um, but but he started talking a little bit then about um, what you're not allowed to say anymore. Or yeah, have you have to mind what you're saying. All this sort of stuff. Wokeness. Yeah. Lawrenson became what he calls anti-woke. In all my time at the BBC, nobody ever said you can't say this or that, but the woke thing drives me bonkers. Whereas normally you'd say the first thing that comes into your head, you're now thinking, if I say that, will I get in trouble? It was a bit like playing with your legs tied together. The BBC is a national broadcaster, and I get that, but they're frightened to death of upsetting anybody. By 1997, Lawrenson was detecting what he now calls very early woke. He was co-commenting on a Friday night game at Bradford City a few days after the death of Princess Diana in a Paris tunnel. The editor of the program came over on the cans and said, any free kicks around the penalty area tonight, please don't mention the wall. I don't remember who I was commentating with, but I asked him, is that for real? And he said, oh yeah, that's for real. So, that and that's, and that's it. I just, it's a remarkable story. Like, I mean, there's a few things to say about this. I mean, first of all, it's, it actually sounds as though it probably wasn't for real. I'm not sure. Maybe, I mean, it sounds like a joke. It actually sounds like a pun based on the Basil Fawlty episode where he says, don't mention the war, which is a very famous sitcom from the pre-woke 1970s. Um, and that episode of it revolves around this actually pre-woke concept that in certain contexts, certain things become embarrassing to mention, right? And maybe shouldn't be. If you're, well, you know, if, if, if your hotel uh, restaurant is full of Germans, then don't go on and on about the Second World War, uh, is, the, is, the print, is the premise of the, the Basil Fawlty episode. There's nothing woke about, about that. You know, the, the idea that in a certain context, it may be embarrassing to say a certain thing, or because of the context, a certain normal word suddenly acquires, um, uh, you know, connotations, which maybe you would be best to try to skip around if possible. That is not wokeness, right? I mean, the impact of... I mean, what, what Lawrenson is talking about is, you know, the the inhibition that you might feel if, oh, what if I, I'm, I've kind of in a landmine here, can I say this? If I say that, will that be annoying to this person and that person and so on? But I guess the more... Uh, the the more relevant aspect of this the of you know the the more real aspect of it is the is going back to the thing that he said about I'm 65 and I'm white you know what I mean because that's that's the sort of the well I'm you know I'm not welcome here because they're they're looking at this woke agenda you know people are all like let's give jobs to women and minorities as well and mm. you know that's kind of like a, so you know I don't know which part of it 
which part of it Lawrenson is more annoyed about. But that, that identification of, oh, I, I shouldn't say this thing, which might be bad. Just don't confuse that with, you know, that, there's nothing woke about that. That's, that's like an eternal... But that's it. This is it. The people who use the term woke, this is it. That, they, that is thrown at basic. You can't say anything anymore, mm. you know. Yeah. When obviously there are some things that there have always been times when <coughs> you'd be better not yeah. to mention certain things, which in other contexts it would be fine to talk about, and that's actually got nothing to do with you know anti-racism or wokeness, so-called wokeness or or whatever. But anyway, uh, Lawrence and I suppose has more time to think about and figure out these uh, how he feels about these things. But it, you know he did have a, a long uh, career at the BBC, so you know don't don't cry that it's over, just be happy that it happened. Um, and there's a couple of other things, Alan. Um, Eric Cantona did an interview where he uh, with Adam Crafton in the Athletic, where he's talked about the it's a big, big mistake for players like David Beckham to uh, shill for Qatar. You know, he's obviously a, uh, an ambassador on a you know it's been reported as a hundred and fifty million dollar deal, which is sounds like a stupendous man. I'm skeptical it really is that much, but like it might be. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it is. Great, like what for? He, for him to go and have photographs taken with like it's a very famous Qatari man. dignitaries. Okay. He is extre- he is exceptionally famous. Kantan says this is a big, big mistake. Talks about like rebels among artists. Um, you know, he's saying, um, you know, people. If you want to work with me, you can forget the clause that says you can't, you know, say anything controversial about politics. That's not me. You won't get Eric if you're going to work. You know, most people accept this because they are examples. But they're cheap examples, little examples. Uh, or it, and then he does a sheep sound, meh. Or sheep, cheap sheep example. There are many cheap sheep examples in football. Artists, 90% of are active in easy things with no risk. Where it is risky, you have nobody. They are cheap sheep. They're in the business like everybody. They say they're against this or that, but it's always the easy thing. Today, it is the climate, which is good. Um, but you think you are somebody really engaged who takes risks because you say, we have to be careful about the climate? No. So... He goes on to say, you know, there are things you can, plenty of things you can fight for today. Fight for Palestinians, fight for Yemen, fight against Saudi Arabia, and the countries who sell weapons to Saudi Arabia. Speak about that. Uh, and he says he's, he's, he's probably going to ignore the World Cup. Goes on to talk about the French national team, which he says he doesn't pay any attention to. Um, but he says, um, Crafton mentions to him Patrice Everest's comment, when you play well and win, you're celebrated as French. When the team loses, you're singled out as Senegalese. Cantona says, France for more than 10 years now since the financial crisis in 2008, since the COVID pandemic, these countries have become more nationalist. Not only France, many countries, Britain, Germany, Hungary, Italy, Spain, everywhere. Italy obviously has just elected a, uh, yeah. uh, a new uh, right-wing government uh, headed by Georgia Maloney, who's just, if you look at her videos, she, all, all she talks about is pride, 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 pride in our nation, pride in our flag, pride in our people, pride. So she's bringing, that's pride in, pride in, uh, you know, all of that uh, faith or, or family, uh, fatherland, flag, and all that. So uh, the danger is, if we go back to 1929, this is Canton again, after the crisis of the stock market crash in 1933, Hitler was elected. It was a world war. Little by little, we become more and more nationalist. Everything is the fault of the foreign guy, the immigrant. Nobody will accept responsibility. So it is always framed as the fault of the weak ones. It's always the fault of immigration. When the country's good, we say it's because of everybody. When it's the bad times, it's always the fault of immigration. After that, it's world war. It seems today big countries have an interest to have a world war. But instead of learning from the past, we completely reproduce what happened in the past. I hope there will not be a world war. I hope so, but we're closer and closer every day. So this is, a, this is what Kantan was saying. He mentioned Saudi Arabia there, fighting against them. Uh, David Kahn has a story in The Guardian 
which talks about how the British government, which claimed not to have had anything to do with Saudi Arabia's takeover of Newcastle, was in fact uh, smoothing the path uh, for you know putting in calls, um, getting things done, getting it over the line. You know because obviously the Saudis have got a lot of money, and you you want people like that to be involved in the British economy, which at the moment obviously there's a lot of headlines about the British economy. Um, it seems as though their recent uh, economic uh, or mini budget, as they called it, hasn't necessarily gone down well with the capital markets and the pound sterling has lost a huge chunk of its value in a short space of time against the dollar which is bad news um, for uh, as Kieran Maguire points out on Twitter one football club in particular Manchester United borrowed 650 million dollars from US banks he writes when United published their accounts on Friday this was shown using the 30th of June exchange rate of 530 million pounds using the exchange rate this morning so we're not even at the 30th of September yet. This is now 612 million, an increase of 82 million. So uh, pretty big, yeah. uh, pretty big. And obviously Man United are the only ones who are trying to use pounds to pay for um, stuff from outside, stuff from the outside world. All of the clubs are, I suppose, in that position and not just the clubs either. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You say something on this show and you're like, geez, you know what? that could come back to bite me in the arse now, you know? But like, I can just come out and say what I like about the Scotland rugby team. They will, you'll never ever get a chance to play audio back to me and be like, Murph, what were you thinking? How could you have come out and said such a thing? Oh, Florida, Scotland, when will we see your like again? Scotland. Are a disgrace to worth worth. That fought and died for the jobs. Your wee bit hell and glad and stood against him. My name's Jackie McCaffrey. Proud Edward's army. You're always on the same tail. Never fuck. And sent him home. The Scotland rugby team, the sporting world's greatest pinata. <laughs>
Lyndon Dykes said the Scots had one to give to Ireland and they gave it to us eventually on Saturday night. We've got the currencies, Dion Fanning and... Uh, the AFP's Kieran Canning. It's the Fanning and Canning show, is what I'm saying here. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dion. I'm sorry to start with that. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Um? <laughs> you, you you'd be within your rights probably to hang up this uh, this Zoom call straight I off the bat, Kieran. Kieran, congratulations on your on your victory of yourself and your your countrymen on Saturday night. How are you feeling about things? Well, I think the, the best way to start is you know like Pierce Brosnan, Conor McGregor. Roy Keane, Ken Early, <laughs> your boys took a hell of a tough loss that could have really gone gone either way. It was gone either way, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is the thing, Dion. This is I'm, I've been quite struck over the last couple of days by how chilled out most people here here at home seem to be about this. That this, and you know, I'm, I'm including the likes of Liam Brady in that. Um, even Martin O'Neill didn't didn't completely stick the boot in um, the other night on Premier Sports. Uh, how are you feeling about things? Are you, are you feeling reasonably upbeat despite a uh, defeat? I am. I think it's it's hard in some ways not to be upbeat when, when you see some of the things that Ireland are, are doing. And, and honestly, when you're actually enjoying the games as much as these games can, like that game on Saturday night, how enjoyable it was to watch it. I think it's, it's, it's such uh, a distance from some of the games in our recent past, some of the, the way the, the way Ireland played in the recent past, um, and it is it is something that I I think is worth per- persevering with because of that, because it's not just because of that, but because there is this sense of a team trying to do things not all the time, and we know how it's evolved from whatever purest uh, ideas Stephen Kenny mm. had to begin with, but it's. I thought the first half, I was I thought I was looking at a team that kind of was um, incredibly well-organized, well-prepared, uh, a, a defense that was was very solid, Nathan Collins looking exceptional. And apart from the, the footballing side of it, I thought it was also a kind of physically imposing team, which was kind of interesting. And, and I thought that was a, 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 another de- uh, development that... Is, is kind of to be encouraged. That was interesting, Dion. I saw Stephen Kenny before the match was talking about traditional Irish values, passion, intensity, working hard for each other. I, th- I thought they sounded like a foreign manager talking about the, the British values of the Irish game here. And, you know, even afterwards, Stephen Clark, uh, Steve Clark described us as a, as a strong counter-attacking team. Like, it really has changed. It's changed markedly over Stephen Kenny's time in charge from what it was supposed to be. It has, but I, I suppose that also is is depends on on who you're playing and where you're playing. And against Armenia tomorrow, it'll it'll be it'll be a different uh, task because of counter attacking won't really be an option. Um, but I think uh, I think those like working hard, being physically aggressive, but al- but also in a way that was um, cohesive, and there was a, there was a. There was there was a, a an order to it and a, and a kind of organization to it that I thought was really impressive. Now the other thing, the the downside of it is that clearly it was impossible to sustain for ninety minutes. And um, when it when it kind of when it dropped, the the kind of mistakes that were made then were 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 poor mistakes. But but overall. Um, it's I am I think it's the same it's it's the same message really it's that this is um better than any alternative I think you anyone could propose right now I think there's players are 
are developing there will be a, there will be a reckoning but i don't think it's right to be having it now Kieran, are we deluding ourselves here? Feel free to to be impolite about the Irish football team. I mean, we went over to Glasgow, didn't play very, uh, didn't even force Scotland to play very well, and were beaten by you guys. Are we being delusional here? No, I think it, it comes back to what Dion's saying there in terms of if you look at where Ireland have come from over the past sort of two years, you can see that there is a, a development there, and in many ways, I I can see signs of where. Scotland were sort of 18 months, two years ago, um, in terms of you see the signs of a, of a team developing that are clearly not the finished product. And, you know, obviously, Ireland would want to eventually get beyond a level that even like Scotland are at the moment, but at least Scotland are a team that got to the last Euros, you know, have a decent chance of of winning the, the group and therefore giving themselves a, a playoff for the next Euros. So there's definitely, there's definitely signs there. The one thing that I think could be a problem for Ireland going forward, which again is, is similar to what Scotland have had, is you can play within a structure and play very well as they did in that, in that first half, but it's where the goals are going to come from. Um, and you saw, for example, like the, the chance for Parrot in the, in the mm-hmm. second half, you know, like the lack of that really, not even a world-class, but sort of Premier League-class striker um could hold you back because that's the thing that sort of makes a difference at, at that level and you, when you get those chances you've got to take them but overall I thought the, the Irish performance particularly in the first half was very strong the, the only caveat I'd add to that is that obviously Ireland had a free week heading into the game and I felt that Scotland sort of paid a bit early on um, from the, the sort of intensity that they played with against Ukraine and the press very high putting off a lot into that game and you can even see like the injuries and things that, that happened to Scotland throughout the game that they were paying, paying physically I mean, to, to lose for so long. We've talked about you know how to get Tierney and Robertson into the team. So to have, to have both of them out, um, they were down to their, their third choice right back at one point as well when, when Ralston came on. So you know, certainly Scotland weren't um, as physically fresh as Ireland were in that first half. And that might have been you know partly behind the, the performance of, of both teams. But yeah, I think you can definitely see that, that Ireland are improving. The one big thing is obviously that they've got to to make it show uh, tomorrow night against Armenia because it's those kind of games at home against teams like Armenia with losing against Luxembourg, the game against Azerbaijan. Um, and if, you know, God forbid, if Ireland were to lose tomorrow night, then they end up being being relegated. So I think that's, you know, to, to see the progression, we've seen Ireland play well in games away from home um, against tougher teams, like against uh, Ukraine and, and Portugal a year or so ago. But that's the sort of next level now is to go on and, and beat the teams that they should beat um, to, to show that development. When did uh, IFAB introduce the rule that John McGinn gets to referee the games at Hampton Park, Kieran? No, no, no. Well, I, uh, I think he was just fighting fire with fire, you know. Once uh, once the Irish had, had kicked their best player out of the game and uh, poor Kieran Tierney is walking off dazed. <sighs> Our game day should be allowed on. I have to say, fair play. One good thing that Scotland did on uh, on Saturday is one of the few times I've seen in football a uh, potential concussion taken seriously because Tierney was quite like quite obviously saying that he wanted to go back on, and the yeah. uh, the doc was ruling him off. So you don't share the opinion of your colleague, your Scottish colleague, uh, Gary Keown, uh, that Ireland are best described as agricultural and limited muscle men. <laughs> I did text you during the game with the uh, the cliche, you know, we know Ireland are a very physical team, 
Uh, but it comes back to that what we were saying in that in that first half that they were very physical. Now it's what what line of physical do you draw? Do you draw in that sort of um, what you were describing as you know uh, uh, Steve Clark describing them as a strong counter attacking team, which is clearly positive, or you know hmm. the uh, a lot of a lot of muscle men. I think it was a without going into too much into cliches, you know. It was the uh, a typical sort of uh, what a, a French or German or Spanish person describing you know, a typical Northern European game in the uh, hmm. in the first half, and and I think it was just about that. When you talk about McGinn refereeing the game, that was very much more in the second half, and I felt as if yeah. it took Scotland a while to sort of warm up to the battle, but then once they realised they were in it, they kind of came out scrapping a bit more in the second half. Yeah, I mean, I like the fact that we we were mostly, you know, I like. Um... I like I like us to be that way. I mean, we have I've seen us be not muscly in the past, and it didn't work as well, even though we did lose. But Dion, I mean, you you sound quite positive about this defeat, which I feel as well. You know, I'm like, yeah, you know, I think this this is fine. Are we losers? <laughs> that, that's a separate issue. Are we losers? Um, but but are, are we are we are we being too kind of indulgent here of, of failure? I mean, you, you know, it's again like. But you see, I don't know. The, I don't, it, it does come back to what what do we want? Because we've had, you know, nil uh, nils. Ireland teams getting points in in scrappy games uh, or winning one nil. Um, well, winning one nil, we would be happy with. But nil nils and various things over the years, which don't give you. You don't come away from it personally. You very rarely come, unless it's Moscow or something like that. But when you we watch like one that's coming into my head is Ireland Slovakia at home nil nil under trap you know, and mm. and you watch the game like that and you're not coming away from it feeling anything you're dead inside um, mm. and there is something here that that gives you a bit of gives me a bit of hope and encouragement and engagement maybe maybe it is maybe it's not that we're losers but maybe it is uh that this is the only thing to kind of uh, counterbalance a sort of a, a, an a, like a, a deep cynicism that has kind of taken hold. That there is needs to be something kind of almost too daring and too um, too uh, untethered from the kind of orthodoxies of football in terms of like you know we, we're going to defend, we're going to be be waste time, we're going to do all these things like these things that Ireland maybe could do a bit more of. But I think there is something about the games when you watch them that, uh, that for me, sort of suck me in. And uh, you're what, what is it though, Dion? What is it? Because if if we have gone away, if we have gone largely away from the early Stephen Kenny uh, purist view of the game into this more direct muscle bound, whatever it was the other night, a match we still lost. What is it that's that's keeping you engaged with the team? Yeah, I, I, that's a good that's a good question because I get and I don't and I don't think it's a kind of uh, it's a, a sort of investment in in the Stephen Kenny project necessarily. Although I I do think it's it's the right thing to be doing. Um, uh, I guess it probably maybe it's 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 probably the fact that there's there are younger players trying to do things. Um, they're playing. They, they, I know they, they've about, they've they've gone away from uh, you know the, the football that Kenny was 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 trying at the beginning, but there's still a, a a bit of adventure and a bit of 
even if it's counter-attacking, there's still a bit of adventure the way Collins comes forward with the ball. Maybe the midfield aren't doing anything with the ball, but the defence are coming forward. Uh, it seems like um, a more adventurous approach in certain way, in, in ways like that um, that than you, we've seen previously. And I guess it is to do with the fact that there are a number of players you kind of think there's, there's pace in the side, there's various aspects that we haven't seen Um and you know, it may also be um, partly to do with the fact that Nations League produces games that are kind of competitive. But it is, um, I do think it, it's it's something that there is a, a, a value to. And there is, um, as I say, it's just a sort of an engagement with that, that is... Is it? It's it's it seems to me in certain ways you can't keep postponing. You can't keep um, not looking for results and and are saying postponing the you know the the question and the reckoning about results. But at the same time, there is in in that process there is a, there is something spirited and and enriching about what's happening. Is it because they're so young as well, though? But like, if 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 these players are all twenty eight and they produce what they produced the other night, might we be looking at this very differently? It's it seems as though, and you've both mentioned potential and youth and these sorts of things. We're, we're kind of assuming this will all come together and the results will come consistently at some point. But you know, I saw Damien Delaney the other night saying that the youth shouldn't be an excuse. So what if they're young players? They're, they're the players he's picked in the team. They're the ones he thinks can get results, and they're not doing it on a consistent basis. But it's, it's the strange thing about this is that it's actually it's it's very early. Like Stephen Kennedy's only had been in the job like two years since his first match. It's actually not when you consider what he what he's doing and what he had to do. It's really not that uh, huge amount of time. I think because almost the you know we had the Euros playoff was his, you know that that match came along so quickly and that was seen as his first chance to qualify for something and he didn't take it and then we have the we have the nations league we have the world cup um, and clearly failure in the nations leagues narrows narrows our path uh, for qualification fair, come on, i mean he has this is his second full competition <laughs> effectively but, and he's got the, the euros qualifiers to call but, the Euro, yeah, but, that, but that's but that's but what are you but it's it's two years Still, it's only two years, and it's. I, I think he had to. He had to bring in all, all these new players. I mean, the, the aged players is obviously a relevant consideration because because a team that like like uh, the other night that loses plays well, loses, uh, you know, doesn't play well maybe for the whole game, but you can at least say, well, you know, this team might get better. Whereas, say, the team that lost to Switzerland uh, in Mick McCarthy's last game, you're like, well, this, you know, like Dan Whelan isn't going to be any better in the next qualifiers you know you know what i mean so there was that kind of sense of hopelessness but karen i'm interested in this like a lot of this is sort of perception i suppose and scotland are an interesting example for us here because uh obviously this team under steve clark has been doing pretty well it's not as though it's it's all been um you know a, a smooth sort of ride i mean it wasn't great for steve clark in the in the summer obviously when they didn't get to the to the world cup um but generally speaking i think you know, the way you've been talking here and the way people generally talk about Scotland is this is a team that's improved a lot. But if I look at Steve Clark's record as Scotland manager, and then I go back and look at Gordon Strachan's record, and Gordon Strachan was the manager of 2013 to 2017, um, they're almost identical. You know, if, if Clark if, if Clark's team loses to Ukraine uh, in their in their next game, which is, is possible, 
then their record will be literally identical. 40 matches, 19 wins, 9 draws, 12 defeats. That would that That's if Scotland lose against Ukraine, which, you know, hopefully they don't, um, for, from your point of view. Um, what accounts then for the difference in perception here? If the, if the results are so similar, why do Scots feel better about this team than the Strachan team? Yeah, I think it comes down to Scotland have used the Nations League to its full value. I think that's maybe a lesson for, for Ireland going forward. So like obviously, qualifying for a tournament is the major thing. So Scotland hadn't been to any tournament since 1998. So even although they went out in the group stages, just getting there was the big thing that, that Clark achieved. And even then, you know, when you're looking at the records of you know wins, draws, losses, two games that got them there probably count as draws because they were both draws that then they won on penalty shootouts. Um, and then going forward into into this sort of Nations League, if they get a draw tomorrow night, they're promoted, but more than that, you're guaranteed a playoff for the Euros. You're guaranteed a second seeding in the Euros draw next week, which could be extremely important when you see likes of France and England are going to be, be second seeds as well. If you're doing well in the Nations League, there's just a feel-good factor that comes from winning games more than, for example, I'd imagine a lot of Strachan's wins would have been against of Minnows in qualifying groups. Um, and during the Strachan's time, it was pretty much unheard of to have a, a full house at, at Hamden, whereas now sellouts are pretty common. They had one on Saturday. If they do get promoted into League A, you're probably going to have another three because of the, the calibre of, of teams that are, are going to be coming. So all of that plus... There's a, a bit of what you're talking about in terms of um, some of the Scotland team. You can see that there's room for improvement. There's still quite a lot of... There's a good sort of mix, I would say, more than, than what Ireland have at the moment of a lot of young players. You've got experienced, established players that when he's fit, like Robertson, um, McTominay, McGregor, Tierney, etc. But you're also sort of seeing guys come through like pretty much the entirety of the back four that finished up... Um, on, on Saturday, I think they're all sort of 23 and under. Um, you're seeing a lot more sort of Premier League players. And I, I think sometimes that gets overplayed, you know, in terms of how many Premier League players you've got. But, um, you know, I think Scotland started with seven on on Saturday. Um, and that was with, you know, injuries to Robertson and Patterson, etc. Um, so there is a, a general sort of better feeling around around the national team than there was in, in the striking time. But you're right to say that, you know, things change in football very quickly. You know, only a few months ago after, although obviously from your point of view, a lot was made of the Ireland game, it was more the Ukraine game um, that, that caused sort of, um, a lot of disappointment in, in Scotland. And I think the Ireland game kind of fell on, on the back of that. And there were sort of questions of had, had Scotland gone as, as far as they could under Clark. And they're still... I mean, even myself, like I, I find the decision, for example, to start Dykes over Adams at the weekend kind of baffling, and I think that that played into some of Scotland's issues in the in the first half because compared to that Ukraine game, where they were much more mobile, pressing very high, good rotation around the the, the sort of three behind Adams, when Dykes is there, it's very much <clears throat> they sort of resort to, to hitting him far too early and, and going far too direct and and playing into Ireland's hands, so. He still has his, his critics when, when things go wrong, but generally people can see that the um, the overall structure of the team you know is, is much better. They are harder to beat uh, generally, and I think he has been helped by the fact that they have, quite a lot of, of players have developed the way that their clubs 
in the time that, that he's been at the national team. Just uh, while we've got you on, uh, guys, um, Kieran, you, uh, you know, while, while many of your countrymen were at Hampden Park to watch uh, Ireland, you were actually at the main event, uh, Italy versus England in Milan the, the previous night. I noticed the Scottish crowd saying a lot about England, which I was uh, I was surprised by. I don't, I don't really think that happens that much in in the Viva these days. Um, I don't know, maybe you, you, you've uh, moved on, you know, we're, we're still very bitter. Yeah. You've still got an English king, of course. Um, but, but uh, you know, England obviously didn't go well. They got relegated as, this, as the Scottish crowd keep, uh, kept pointing out. They're playing Germany tonight. What, uh, what was your impression of them? And I, I mean, this is a team that, that really was, was like unstoppable in sort of qualifiers. I mean, still is unstoppable in qualifiers. But uh, why have the wheels fallen off so badly off the Garrett mobile? Well, I think some of the underlying sort of signs have been there for a long time. And again, it comes back to this thing of playing in, in the Nations League. You know, they're, they're playing against teams of an equivalent level. So it's not like, you know, even in the qualifiers, for example, you know, they're able to, to roll teams over. Um, but if you look at a lot of, of Southgate's time in charge, when they have played that calibre of opposition, you know, it's been games that they've got through in extra time or penalties against Colombia in, in the World Cup, you know, that... They've rarely sort of blown teams away. I mean, even beating Germany in the Euros is probably the biggest, the biggest scalp they've had, and that was a game that was sort of decided with two goals in the in the last ten minutes. Fifteen minutes. Yeah. Well, what strikes me about what Southgate did all week last week, including the sort of pre-match um, press conferences and everything, is that he's definitely doubling down on his way of playing, and that that's the way they're going to go throughout the World Cup now. So I'm very much speaking out in favour of Maguire. Maguire started. You know, it's going to be. Three four three, and I think you could probably name eight or nine of of the the players that are going to start <clears throat> going into the to the World Cup. Um, but if, if there is some solace for England, I think is that you look around Europe at the moment, and France didn't get relegated last night just because uh, Austria failed to beat Croatia. Otherwise, they would have been relegated. Spain lost to Switzerland. Germany lost to Hungary. Italy haven't even qualified, so there's there's no none of the sort of traditional European powers are are um, looking like they're going to be great going into this World Cup. Um, Argentina and Brazil are probably to look quite good at the moment, but again, you don't know how would how good would they look again in a sort of Nations League, League A sort of against the League A caliber of opposition. So um, mm. there is as weird as it seems with the World Cup two months away, I do wonder if there is time for England to sort of turn things around a bit just because they have such a soft looking group on paper yeah, well, it gives them those know. sort of three games to, uh, to to get into the tournament but um, they certainly have a group every other fans uh, think it's soft uh, <laughs> and yeah I don't know okay you know um, you just thinking of, of our Welsh World Service members who probably didn't think they were about to get a kicking today but there you go <laughs> yeah, I mean here's well, something how great we go. were after losing to Scotland and they're actually in the World Cup but they're people, soft people thinking the group is soft isn't necessarily an advantage Dion you've, 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 you've watched a lot of England managers over the years what stage of the doom spiral is that now? I I think he's. Uh, I think it's uh, a reversible doom spiral. Not a, not maybe totally irreversible, but it does seem to be um, heading that way. And as Kieran says, the fact that he's Southgate is doubling down on how he's going to do it suggests it could get quite grim. Um, because England, the 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 con the, the contrast is always going to be between the ability and the talent of the players uh, Southgate has and how he uses them. 
And I think that's, you know, you, you read stuff like, you know, he, he needs to be more, uh, he needs to get better at substitutions and things like this. Whereas I think the way Southgate approaches substitutions is just a symptom of how he manages, which is just deeply cautious. And because, and it's been concealed because of the run that England have had in the last two competitions. That's kind of been lost a bit, but it has, as Kieran said, the Nations League has kind of revealed it a bit. And I think um, you are seeing a manager who ultimately is, uh, you know, a, a, an average enough manager with a very cautious mindset. And that is what's going to kind of be, 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 uh, amplified in, in the next couple of months. And I think it's going to be interesting to see because even looking at him yesterday, he's trying to be very serene and very much the Southgate that uh, when people were writing a thousand words about his waistcoats and stuff like that, this is the <laughs> kind of Southgate that, you know, everyone kind of enjoyed. How that, how that, if he can with, kind of keep maintain that when he's actually under a lot more criticism is going to be interesting to see, but the nature of it has changed. I think it's um, in the managers. They are there is a, a doom spiral, but I don't think it's it, it has changed in the in the last ten years. So I don't know if it'll it'll get as bad as it got for some of his predecessors. And there ends episode one of the Fanning and Canning Show. Thanks, guys. Thanks, lads. Thanks, guys. Timbuktu. An old pumpkin. We haven't got leaders. They're all just headphones. Inside and outside blue they don't communicate. You can't get anything out of them. That's why we're no good. They're all just headphones. They don't kick out the pitch. They don't communicate off the pitch. They're all pampered. Oh, we're getting ready for Russia. Good luck. And then after that, we'll be building a team for Timbuktu. Timbuktu. How have England reacted to that equaliser? Perfectly. Um, no panic. Calm straight down. Continue dominating the game, playing and staying in Iceland's hearts. It's been the perfect response. You'd think that no problem. England will look after four minutes. And they still lost. The only thing that they have got is the big boy up front, Sigurdsson, who really, Sigthorsson. Oh, oh my word. Oh. Tell us, talk us through that, Steve. I think we know what's happened. Oh, we'll just say, Sigthorsson. <laughs> just cannot. Since we recorded that piece, Gareth Southgate has trimmed his squad down for the match tonight. No more dead weight on the Gareth Mobile. Mm. So I'm sorry, Trent Alexander-Arnold, among others, you're out of here. Uh, he's the big, the, the big name player to leave. He was an unused sub against Italy on Friday night. So there's obviously speculation now about whether or not he's going to be going to the World Cup. Yeah, just uh, you know, it's a very, it's a very distinctive style of playing that position that Alexander Arnold has, and clearly doesn't chime with the conservative. We've heard about uh, conservatism. We heard about there that Gareth Southgate. Yeah, and and you know, I'm not surprised uh, about that. Um, I think he probably still does make the squad because for the World Cup, it's 26 man squad for the World Cup, and it's 23 man for this game. So. The other players who missed out were Ward Prowse, um, Timori, uh, Jared Bowen, and Grealish, who's suspended. So 
there is still space for him, but I'm not surprised Southgate doesn't pick him. Mainly because, well, well, obviously because Southgate hasn't picked him when he was playing brilliantly. So <clears throat> why is he going to pick him now when he's not? You know what I mean? Like his form hasn't been good in recent months. Um, so, you know, Southgate. What what actually I, I'm a little bit more surprised by than, than Alexander Arnold not being in the squad. Although he's the highest profile player, you know, along with Grealish, who's, who's out for other reasons, who's, who's left out, is Tamori. Uh, Tomori not playing. I mean, I, I would have thought this is a great opportunity to use him um, because uh, you're going to have to try and develop some... Op- you don't have much time left to develop options. I know we were speaking on Friday about like why why Southgate's kind of doubling down or whatever on, on Maguire because he feels like he, he kind of... He just has to at this point. He doesn't really have any good options. Tomori is one of his only options. And the fact that he's not even involved in the squad and so won't play any part in the game is surprising. Maybe, again, I don't know, there may be some injury reason. I haven't seen anything like that mentioned. And I would have thought they would want to have a look at him. But uh, Gareth Southgate apparently thinks otherwise. Just a mention of the under-21s before we wrap things up today there. Euros playoff second leg against Israel's on also tomorrow? Mm. Yeah, we're playing the same day. It's the big... The Big Island Show, mm. overlapping, overlapping episodes. Overlapping. So what? Quarter past six. I was Town Juniors at eight fifteen, or no, not not eight fifteen, eighteen fifteen, six fifteen, mm-hmm. six fifteen p.m. And then uh, seniors at uh, quarter. That is a strange. So we could be like within a few minutes of potentially qualifying for the under twenty one Euros for the first time in our history, and then our match against Armenia will have kicked off before the end. Maybe we'll do an ecstatic squad announcement or or a stadium announcement. Oh, (coughs) I could get the... And then Armenia will win. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just on Friday, uh, Big Evan Ferguson headed in uh, an equaliser in that game. Aaron Connolly got man of the match. It was such an Aaron Connolly performance. Yeah. Really lively, no goals. Hit the post. Missed some chances, caused loads of problems for them, and then gave a really refreshingly honest post-match interview. It was all yeah. the Aaron Connolly <laughs> stuff. And he was asked, "Oh, you were fouled for what looked like it might have been a penalty. You, you seemed, re- you know, kind yeah, of that always happens. <laughs> why, why? Yeah, it does happen to Connolly. Yeah, ha- yeah. Happening against Serbia, happening against Portugal. You know, remember Paulinho just jumping on him. But they, in this case, he was fouled, but it was, it was around the edge of the box. And they said, oh, was it inside the box? And he's like, to be honest, I have no idea. Just one of the other lads was saying it was. So I just jumped up and started screaming at the ref. So, yeah, it's a penalty. But I, I have yeah. absolutely no idea. So it's just like, just really. If he could just introduce occasional yeah, goals, he'd have a really winning it, formula. Oh, my God, that would, be, that would be a very good player we'd have on our hands there. Secondcaptains.com, five or a month plus VAT to follow all the Irish football during the week on the World Service. Uh, Second Captains is part of the ACAST Creator Network. If you sign up for the Daily Pods, you'll be hearing all episodes ad-free. Thanks, Ken. Thank you, Owen. Thanks for listening. Which one is that? That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. The Second Captains. World service. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports is important. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.